This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com We're back here with uh, Olympic snowboarder Ryan Stasel. Hey, everybody. What's going on, Ryan? I'm doing pretty good. Jeff, how about you? I'm, I'm great. So I met you, I guess, a couple years ago through my friend Kale and Paxson. Yep, that's correct. And uh, and then I, I realized you were like an Olympic snowboarder, and I said, oh, my God, it's <laughs> fucking awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So you, you just got back. You were in the last Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea. Yep, that's correct. And you were also in the Sochi Olympics. Yep, that would have been my like first like major appearance that's fucking awesome i, I seen you on, on tv and i watch the olympics and then you know some of the tricks i'm like i know that guy he's like doing <laughs> fucking 20 flips or whatever you're doing and you're so high off the ground it's um so what do you you compete in the the big air right big air and slope style so yep. that's the slope style is the race no 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 <laughs> slope style is um it's uh, a course you have many different features um and you link your most difficult maneuvers top to bottom so it's like oh it's like three different jumps and there's like a rail maybe. Yep, that's correct. What's the what's the race one? The snowboard race. Uh, um, border cross. Border cross. Yeah, where they go through like six people at a time, hitting jumps and going through woos and turns. It's wild. No, that is pretty wild. It, yeah, it's pretty fun watching them do that. So you're from uh, Anchorage. You're born here. Yeah, born and raised. How, so how'd you just like a lot of kids grew, grew up started snowboarding? Um, I actually started skiing first, and it was like what maybe I was like five or six. Um, there was an ad on TV um, for the, I think it was called the Hot Doggers program uh-huh. up at uh, Hilltop. And so just got picked up after school and I just started snowboarding. Yeah. It was just something, I don't know, I just saw it and told my You family. started skiing first or snowboarding? Yeah, I started skiing first. Yeah, so I grew up I grew up in New Mexico and I was a big, big skier. And a bunch of my friends were snowboarders and there was always this weird, like, you know, <laughs> skiing sucked or snowboarding sucked. You know, it was kind of this weird thing, but we used to always go out together. See, up here in Alaska, I don't feel like I ever had that, uh, you know, that head-to-head battle snowboard between skiers. It was like skiers were my, like, the people that I actually rode with. They were like some of my best friends. So when I grew up in New Mexico, we had this really famous ski area called, you've probably heard of Taos Ski Area? Yeah. So Taos, um, for a long time, was skiers only. And the snowboarders were always pissed about it. It was a big thing. It was like, because it's one of the best ski areas. Mm -hmm. They opened it up years ago to snowboarders as well. But I used to go there and... I tell my friends, like, I'm going to fucking Taos later. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually, like, hike up while it was still closed off to snowboarders and ride it, or did you wait? So I skied time? always, but some of my friends, uh, some, okay. some people would do that, and they'd get, it would be a big thing. They'd, they'd go around, they'd hike up, or, yep. you know, and they'd come down, and it was always, like, a big, but they eventually opened it up to, to snowboarders. Well, if you're wanting to get away from us snowboarders, you, uh, go to Alta in Utah. It's still is, only, is Alta still only ski? Only, only ski. Wow. Yeah. So there's Snowbird. There's like three connected, right? Um, they're all up the same valley. What, it's Snowbird? Actually, I don't even think that's in the same valley, though. Um, it might be. What, there's Snowbird? I know Brighton's around there. Yeah, I skied Alta. a little bit growing up in Utah. Uh, great skiing out there. It, it can be good. Yeah, light fluffy. So you, okay, you're doing this skiing and snowboarding, and then 
some point, I guess you get pretty good and you decide, oh, I want to compete. Is that kind of how it happened? Uh, yeah, what? It was just kind of just me, like some friends were doing some local events um, at Hilltop. And I just, you know, it was just like, hey, mom, I want to compete in this with them. And it's just like, sure. They didn't think anything of it. And I actually ended up winning that event, um, just a regional local event. And I, from that one win, there wasn't many events going on back then. But from that one win, I got an invite to go to a national event down in the States. What were you doing? Like tricks, airs? It, it was a slope style event. Yep. So tricks, airs, flips, the rails. And um, when I told, I came home and I remember telling my parents, this is like, mom, mom, dad, I got to go to this event. Like the first thing they were just like, what? No. Just like, eh, eh, like, no, no way. What the hell are you talking about? Like, yeah. ta- where are you going? And so it, it was actually that next season where my, you know, my parents actually got more involved within that series of the regional events up here in Alaska. And I started competing a lot more. And I don't know if it was that year or the next year, I actually started traveling to those national events. Were they having to pay for it, or would you get some at, sponsors? Or? No, at that time, it was um, family was funding, but it was all just kind of like t- to my family, it was more of a like way to get out, to go on vacation, like with the family. So where were you going? Like cool spots in Lower Forty Eight? Yeah, so it changed every year. Um, I went to Angel Fire, New Mexico. Oh, I, I skied a lot, and man, I skied a lot in Angel Fire. Yeah, that's right near Taos. Oh, awesome! Yeah, it's pretty close. That's so right. I, I grew up skiing there a lot. We it's about two and a half hours from where I grew up, so I probably skied there. Fuck, hundreds of times. Okay, no, it was it was a ton of fun when we were there. It big, was big, big, would, big park. Yeah, no, a big park there. It was melting really fast. It was what I remember. It was like sixty degrees every day, and the resort lost like half of its snow within the week frame that we were there. Um, and yeah, when we left, the resort closed. Yeah, it was it. It was done. <laughs> yeah, northern New Mexico. You got Taos, Angel Fire. There's some smaller ones, and then there's like Durango and Wolf Creek in southern Colorado. Okay. They were really cool, scary. A lot of lot, Wolf Creek had a lot of snow. I haven't been there yet. No. Um, the, what the furthest or the most I've done is like Telluride, and then more central like Breckenridge, Keystone Vale. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say Breckenridge for. Yeah. So my buddy went to school in Boulder. I would grow up in New Mexico, and then they had the um, the three pass thing, where if you were a student, you get like a pass for all three, like Boulder or sorry, Breckenridge, Vale. T- um, what was the, the other one? There was a three mountain pass. And oh, it was Aspen. Like, yeah, I think yeah, and it was like for for students. I think it was like mm. I forget what it was. It was like fucking like f- cheap. It was like five hundred bucks. So they a still year. they still actually have a pass like that, but it's expand from like three resorts. Now it's like almost like twenty or thirty throughout the United States. It's called the Epic Pass. Probably really expensive. No, it's like you buy it early. It's like five six hundred bucks. Really? Yeah, and I don't know why more people don't know about it because lift tickets at these resorts are now like over sixty, no over a hundred dollars. I grew up a lift ticket was like in New Mexico, depending where you were, maybe thirty bucks, forty, something like that. But I've gone back and I've it's like doubled. Oh yeah, even here in Alaska at Alaska, I remember when I went, the price was like forty, maybe fifty bucks a day, and I want to say it's like up towards eighty or ninety now. The season passes. Like twelve hundred or something, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't looked in a while, but I think that's it was around that. that I, I looked at. I mean, point. if you ski a lot, it's definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going once a month, it's better to just just know, yeah pay look daily. For, look for those. They have those deals sometimes too, like a buy one get one, or or you rent a hotel room and yeah. you get two tickets for free. So when you go, are they like, oh, it's Ryan? Fucking let him in. Um, I I contact um, a gentleman over there. His name's Brian, and uh, he normally is able to get me some sort of faceless pass for the day. Yeah, we work with him on the slush cup. We did. Have you seen our slush cup videos? I have not. No. We, oh, I have to show you. We made two. We we went last year. This last winter, we went with some, my buddy Scott Jensen. We made a video, 
and then Paxson was there doing like photography. Mm-hmm. And then the year before, Paxson and, and his girlfriend, we went down there and just they just took pictures. But they gave us press passes and Sweet. it was it was Brian's. Yeah, he was the guy we worked worked with. But the video we made, it was fucking awesome. We made a really cool. I'll show it to you later. It's is it, really is it on the landmine? Uh, yeah, it's it's on the YouTube landmine YouTube, and okay. then we did it, we did an article as well. Sweet. But Flush Cup is who? That's oh, I've been to it. I, it's been a few years though. I'm I'm always out traveling now and around that time frame. Uh, it's a busy time of the year. So now you're, you're I mean, Kale and Pax, so they talk about Ryan's here, Ryan's there. I mean, you pretty much travel all the, almost all the time, right? For yeah, I'm I'm away from Alaska probably eight to about eight months of the year. So like a ton. So and you also do fishing, right? Yeah. So during the summer, that's that's actually the only reason I'm really back in Alaska is I run a fishing operation. Not for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just happens that we're here at the same time, uh, but um. Yeah, I run a fishing operation down by Nanilchik, um, Setnet, and um, it's kind of been a family business. Um, I my grandpa has been, you know, he did it back in the '70s. My dad took over the site, and then I've actually been kind of taking it over uh, more throughout the years. So, do you have one of those? Um, was it IFQ or CD, one of those IFQ permits? No, or? Um, I do have. It's a limited entry permit here for the Cook Inlet. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so we have a, a few of them, and uh, I don't know, man. It is. It's just a way of life now. Honestly, if it wasn't for fishing, I wouldn't be a professional snowboarder. It, it was it, it was what paid for my travels. Like my my family's well off, but we had a big family and a lot going on. And it just came to a point actually. Like it was when I was thirteen, I actually won um, one of those national events I was telling you about. And it was when I won that national event, I got a lot, like a bunch of coaches were coming up to me. They're approaching my dad, telling me like I should be on their teams. I had sponsors now looking out to me. That was when I got connected with Burton. Um, And so at that point, my dad, he told me, he's like, hey, if you want to do this, you're going to have to make your own money. And so he offered me a job working, um, you know, on the setnet site. Uh And so that kind of was what like my summer gig was like, all right, I would travel, snowboard, keep my grades good in school. And then I'd come back in the summer, work my butt off, get the money I needed so that I could travel and continue to pursue being a snowboarder. So, I mean, it must be just so different going from snowboarding and all these places all over the world to you're like on a boat and cook inlet, catching fit. It's a very different thing. It's, you know, I think it's been really nice to just be able to like step away and kind of reevaluate kind of like you know things I could have done better and like um, what I could progress on you know like step away from the sport look at it from the outside while you know doing something completely different and then come with a fresh mind and fresh attitude right at back snowboarding what do your teammates say when you're like I'm going out fishing in Alaska for some of them are jealous some of them want me to hire them and then some don't really care at all (laughs) (laughs) most of them just want fish so at what point did you were you to the point where I mean 13 you won that championship you got sponsored Mm -hmm. but like when did you realize wow I could be in the fucking Olympics I could I could really be big, big time it it never hit until the Olympics so like when I was 13 slope style and big air was never an Olympic sport it was only half pipe and and, uh, border cross so I never had that like vision of that I wanted to be an Olympic athlete because my sport wasn't in the Olympics when was the first oh was it oh two right Salt Lake is that when the Sean White and the two other they won the first second third um I I don't remember exactly when the first half pipe um like first half pipe event was in the Olympics but you're correct um I know it was 02 when they had, when Sean White and the two other guys Americans won 
like first, second, third, and, and some snowboarding event, and it was like it would have been half pipe. It was like a big thing. Everybody was like, yeah. "Wow, this is like, oh shit, this is." I should probably know the history of this a little better. I can pull um, it up here on, yeah. the, on the old Google. I'm trying to think because I know there was one in Calgary, and I know Sean won that, and then Scotty Lego either got second or third, and then there was a time before that where there was, um, it was JJ, um, who else? Ross Powers. Yeah, Ross uh, Powers was one of them. I remember yeah. watching it. Maybe that was Salt Lake. Yeah, it was that, 2002 Winter Olympics. Um, pull was that, up here. I know the names. I'm just. Yeah, the dates. Again, it wasn't my sport. Um, I was a slope style rider, so that was kind of what I was fixed up, like fixated on. That was kind of when I think snowboarding went from people snowboarded, and it was a thing. That was when I think it went from from kind of just something people did, and and then it was like, wow, this is like a big thing. And it's it, marketable. It really, it started to grow, and like Burton yeah. for years had really targeted like getting kids when they're young, and, mm-hmm. and get, they still are. And, yeah. 100, I think in a hundred years, Burton will you know still be doing this stuff. I hope so. Yeah, um, you know, kind of the last couple years with how poor the winters have been in the uh, lower forty-eight, and even here in Alaska, it's not as many people are out shredding, and uh, it's really been affecting like businesses, um, and it also comes back and affects the athletes because now we don't have as much sponsorship money. Um, you know, teams are being dropped, athletes are being dropped. Like it's just kind of been a snowball effect with just not having good winter. So do you have to, you know, especially in the summer, our summer, Northern Hemisphere summer, are you having to go crazier places? I mean, do you go to like South America or in the winter, do you go to Europe? I mean, Europe? Yeah. So we, I used to go down to South, um, South Hemisphere. So like Australia and New Zealand, um, amazing places. Absolutely gorgeous. New Zealand's got insane it, skiing. And oh, it's, it's incredible. It just, unfortunately, every time I have the opportunity to go there, which is in August, it, it get, just, they have terrible weather. And it's really good. You know, it's a really fun trip. But the reason I go there is to, to train and for progression. And I'm not able to do any of that. So I could spend a month there. And August just happens to be when they get the crazy crappy weather. You know, good for power riding. But it's just, it's hard for me to continue going down there when I can't train. So I went over to Australia. They had really good weather. It was almost too good. It was like 60, 70 degrees during the day. So you'd have to get up really early, get it while the snow was still firm from freezing the night before, and then it would turn to slush. And so you'd just get like this early morning ride and then go kind of hang what's that, out. What's that ski area called? It's in Victoria, right? Um, I spent a year in Australia, so I okay. didn't ski, but I know there's one, a couple of ski areas there. that. Oh, there's there's more than a couple, but um, I went to Jindavine, or... Uh, Oh, was it Jindavine? There's there's a couple there. Um, Jindavine was the town I was staying in. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. That's going to kill me. <laughs> Were you there during the was it our summer, right? Yeah, so it would have been like August. So I guess our fall, technically. You like, you like the uh, Australians, man. They're fun people. Fuck, they're fun. Oh, it's, yeah. I had a lot of good times there. <laughs> yeah, drinking and they're just, they're just so chilled out and everything's always kind of a joke. I had a good time there, man. I love the Australian people. One thing that threw me off that I never realized, like, we, we see kangaroos and we say how cute and fuzzy they are. Shit, they are well, rodents in Australia. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a wallabies or the smaller ones. That yeah, they're adorable. You, I love them. You could maybe in a, in a zoo pet them, but those big fucking kangaroos, I mean, it's no joke. They will fuck you up. Oh, yeah. Like, they can kill you. Uh-huh. And they, they are aggressive. Um we, we went out into a field, you know, we just get there, and there's probably about 30 of them in a field, and we thought it'd be fun to just kind of run around and, you know, get some video content um, of the kangaroos running and having a good time. Well, one of my buddies was kind of chasing one around. We're filming them. Oh, my God. And they American, all came up. Yeah. Oh, man. And so they all start, the other, like, 30 of them get around him and start chasing him. 
<laughs> and some of those big reds, those big fuckers, I mean, they can jump. It's incredible. They can jump like over 10, 15 oh. feet foot fences. I mean, they're, it's incredible. Yeah. And if you see their claws, they're like they're well, like four inch so, daggers. So and they have the one claw. Which they'll go on the tail, right? Yeah. And they fight, and they'll and they'll use the one claw, and essentially, it's got like a protruding big claw, and it'll they'll they'll attack a predator, a, a prey, and they'll, they'll, they'll basically you. gut it. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll gut you. It's they, they are not nice. No. So I'm. We're very fortunate. The ones. That we came across, they did not try to attack us. They were just trying to not have my buddy chase one of their buddies. I got this. Uh, I was in the Australia <laughs> Zoo, you know, like the Steve Irwin, all the crocodile hunter guy. Yeah. Who died? I was in the zoo in near Brisbane, and they had like a whole bunch of like kind of tame kangaroos. And I took one. I had, took like twenty pictures until I got this like perfect picture. And it's still my Facebook profile. I'll show it to you. It's still my Facebook profile, but it's like all right. Look at that. Look at that fucking thing. Let's see. You gotta see this. We can't show the listeners, but check out that. It's like perfect the way it looks. It looks like it's like posing with me. It's That's like that, big, that, that big, big chest. It's like kangaroo Jack right there. Yeah. What's up, little little Roo? Um, okay, so you get to the point where you're good enough to try out for. So there's a U.S. snowboard team yep. you said, and there's a U.S. Olympic team, and those are separate. They're right? completely separate, but they they're kind of one of the same. So the U.S. we have a national team, um, and there's about like no like ten of us guys on it. And so we travel together with coaches, PTs, um, like medical staff. Like that is, we're the U.S. team traveling to World Cup events throughout the year. Um, and then when it comes to Olympic qualifying, you know, the, the year of the Olympics, we then have our own events just for U.S. riders. Um, to where we figure out, you know, who's the best of the best for the United States and who's going to make the U.S. Olympic team. So how many spots are there on the team per, for each event? So it it changes. The max we can have is four. But so this actually, this year and next year, um, we'll actually, the U.S. team, me and my buddies, will actually be going out competing in World Cups, getting quota spots. So we need to have the U.S. ranking high enough to where we can have the max spots for the Olympics, if that makes sense. So we're actually, for the next two years, we'll be competing for spots in the olympics um based on the country yep okay so, so. every country has a chance to get more spots there's so. only there's only a certain amount of spots in the games um for slope style big air for every for every sport so there's, for for like snowboarding for events or skiing like america norway canada austria mm-hmm. they're gonna get we're gonna get more people than trinidad and tobago or like ghana right? we have the opportunity to it's not guaranteed but, they, but they, those folks in those countries aren't snowboarding as much as other people and countries where it's huge correct but but let's say they have four athletes let's say they only had four and they're able to all do really well the years leading up to the games they could get four quota spots for their country so we're we're competing for for let's i don't know how many spots there is in the games um it it changes per discipline but let's say there's only 40 spots for however many countries are wanting to compete well we're it, whether that country only gets one or four, it's all dictated on the years before um, of kind of a battle between nations. So you guys are working essentially as a team Correct. on yeah. the quota. On the quota, yeah, because we all want the best opportunity for ourselves. Then, at what point do you go from that to individual spots? So it's the, it, it kind of, this last year, we kind of broke it up into two, two years. Um, for 2014, we did five events within like a month and a half right before the Olympics. It was hectic. It wasn't that fun. Like it was really stressful. Um, it was a, a really heavy demand physically, mentally. Um, but for 2018, um, we broke it up into two years. So we did two events um, in 2017, and then three directly before the Olympics. 
Wow. So once you get to the point where you're trying to get on the a spot, individual mm-hmm. spot, I mean, how many people are trying to get it? You said there's four spots, right? Yeah, there's only, well, if that's how many quota spots we had. The last two Olympics, we, we maxed out. We had four quota spots for each. So how many so, yep. How many people are trying to get those? How many people are trying to get those four spots? Um, so once, once it comes down to the U.S. qualifying events, Olympic qualifiers is what we call them, um, anyone's allowed to sign up so it's not just the u.s team like um if people if there's other u.s riders in the country that have high enough points just from competing regionally or nationally they can um you know sign up and be part like take part in the event uh-huh. and then um and it kind of starts breaking down so the first event will have a bunch of people second event will have a little less is it's kind of your you're competing to make the next event yep so it takes what, a few months i mean what's the so length the, of time to get all this whittled down to the four people a um, month and a half oh so it's pretty quick it's pretty quick I, yeah. I mean i watched like they have not just for snowboarding but for gymnastics for track i mean they have oh yeah they, they always show on tv the u.s qualifier qualifiers yep so it's the same same um it's just a lot going on because it's not just slope style there's half pipe there's big air there's border cross you have downhill skiing all all the venues so you're, so you're men and women you're paying for yourself does a team help you out do so, you get sponsor i mean how do you how do you like fund all that um well Thankfully, yeah, a lot of sponsorships have helped, um, grants through the U.S. team. The team's really good at, um, you know, finding partners that want to help support our dream. Um, and so we call them grants. We're able to apply for them. Um, and then contest winnings. Wow. So you went to the first Olympics in Russia, which, man, I wish I wish I spent a lot of time in Russia. I actually speak Russian pretty well, so I really uh, wanted to go. I have some friends in that part of Russia and the Caucasus. So I've been there before, okay. but, but um, pre-Olympics. Uh, but I talked to some people who went there, and it sounded like it was just a lot of fun. It, Very different experience, Olympic experience, than other places they traditionally get held. So, yeah, I that was my first game. So that was, like, all I knew. Like, that was how I knew the Olympics were. Um, and unfortunately, where I was staying up in the mountain village was so far away from, like, where all the fun activities were going. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't really get to experience like the Olympic lifestyle. I think a lot of other people get to, um, things were really spread out and to get to a lot of those parties or those fun venues. Like I had to take this, I had to take a tram down from the mountain. I was literally staying up in like the mountain village up on the resort. Like the uh, Olympic village? Yeah. Olympic? The Olympic village. Yep. And there's many different villages you have, like you have the mountain village, you have the coastal village. Um, they had a village in between. I don't recall the name. Um, but I was in the mountain town. And so I had to take the gondola lift down, which, you know, takes like 10, 15 minutes, time it with a train that then took like an hour and a half. To like, um, it was just kind of a, a lot. And on top of that, we were supposed to be pretty incognito because of all the threats that were going on between Georgia and the United States at that time. Mm-hmm. Probably Ossetia, yeah, Ossetia with the Russians in the yeah, part of it, the world. Yeah, no, it was actually... Did you see Putin? No, actually, we did during opening ceremonies. We like how... We, you walked out, right? You were with the team, the whole well, U.S.? The so... US- my team got to like be there. I, I this is all coming back. You know, this was years and years ago. It was 2014, um, right? Yeah. So. Um, I actually didn't partake in that opening ceremonies, and the reason was was because um, our event, the slope style qualifier for the Olympics, that that was the next day, and um, you got to get some rest. Yeah, but unfortunately, the opening ceremonies was at like it was like two or three a.m. Russia time. Um, and they were doing that so it fit TV schedules for people back here in the U.S. No and, shit. Yeah. And so it was either like, all right, do I want to walk and do opening ceremonies and partake in this massive you know, ceremony? 
to where I'll get like very little sleep and I have to be up at like 8 a.m. to like get up on hill train like practice by 9 a.m. It just it just came remember, down to it. I was remember when the the ring got stuck. Remember that? I, I so did. Yeah, we watched stuck it. And all these on Twitter, it was like, so, like somebody's <laughs> Putin's going to kill somebody. Someone's uh, dead. You know, <laughs> someone's going to the gulag. Who, who knows? He didn't. I mean, what? <laughs> and then there was the uh, the soccer one too in the World Cup. When remember the goalie, the Russian goalie, like basically like, screwed up and let let a goal in. Oh. And it was like a really bad one. And everybody was like, Putin's going to come visit you. <laughs> oh man, I hope he's doing well. Um, so you were recently in Pyeongchang for the other Olympics, um, and you stayed. I assume you stayed in the village there too. Yeah, so, um, we were the villages were actually a lot closer in uh, Pyeongchang, and the the Olympic atmosphere was completely different. And I guess that's what it is for every Olympic Games. There is each has its own vibe, its own feeling, its own festive atmosphere. They all they change constantly, and so that was kind of interesting to, to be able to like partake and see. Because yeah, everything was a lot closer. There was it was a lot more lively, um, a lot more activities going on. It was you know easier to travel between the getting around. So there's been some articles during the Olympics. It seems like every time there's articles that come out about these people, they're all very fit. They're all very good looking. I know where they're, this is going. They're, yeah, they're, they're in this little confined space. There's a lot of fucking around. I mean, is that something? Have you, did you witness that? Or you know, there was an article I think. It came out of one. It was it was like they went through I don't know so many like so many hundreds of thousands of condoms or something. The the so, organizers well, would would purchase. So, I had a girlfriend at that time. Um, not anymore. But um, so I wasn't really out there looking. You you were part it. of the scene. I wasn't part of that scene. Um, but to be honest, I didn't really hear or see that much going on. Like, I didn't even see where the condom bowl was. I guess there was a condom bowl. <laughs> I never found it. The, the, um, the, the way the article made it sound was there was condoms everywhere. everywhere. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what like, the, the vibe I got when so, I was reading it. So I think maybe more for the summer games because, you know, everyone's in one spot and, you know, it's hot out. People are in less clothing. But, you know, in Woo. the winter, we're, you know, we're all kind of dressed up a little warmer. It was really cold when we showed up there. It, it warmed up a bit, but still like zero, 20 degrees. You're wearing a lot of layers. I don't know. Anyway, so did you did you have your own room or were you like sharing a room with we're, we had teammates? Like a, it was a very small apartment um, that was in a I guess like a miniature like tower building, um, and each floor had like two apartments in it, and so I was with um, five other athletes, and they were the slope style guys. And was it like a bunk dorm situation, or did you no, have your they, own, your own they, room? They, um, I, I shared a room with another athlete, and very tight quarters. They weren't the biggest. It was. You know, good enough for what we're doing. You know, we're there to compete. Like, I don't really care about what I'm sleeping in. I just want a good course and good venue to ride. Get some, get some good rest. Yeah, get a nice bed. Um, I remember in Russia, the when that happened, there was some pit pictures on Twitter. Some people, like media or like athletes, were like there was some hotel or some villa, and there was like a picture, a big picture of Putin, and everybody was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" <laughs> but there was one where like the, I think the door was like there was like a bathroom to the shot, the shower, but it was like. It was the the inside with like the architecture was kind of all screwed up and the door wouldn't close and people were taking videos and pick. Remember that it, stuff? Or oh no? no, I remember it completely. It was like I really think, fucking funny. No, there was some things that you're just like, why did they do that? Um, everything like where I was staying and for the other athletes, everything was like put together proper. But I guess for some of like the uh, the journalists and newscasters, <laughs> their rooms weren't quite finished and kind of just got thrown together and. Yeah, I, I think it probably wasn't as many rooms as they made it seem, but it was a story to tell. Well, it's so just like anything, you know, up. something goes on Twitter, yeah. fucking blows up. So yeah. you you did, um, 
as I recall, you you got really close to doing super well in Sochi, right? Didn't you? I, you had some power I, run. Oh man, I was I was riding really good at that time. Um, like leading, it's kind of interesting going into that year. Like, I was kind of an underdog. I was an underdog. I wasn't kind of. I was, and um, I I honestly would never expected that I would have made the Olympic team. Like going through each of the events, it was just like, all right, I made one. I made it through one. Awesome. I rode, oh, I rode really good in the second. All right. Next thing I know, I'm at the very last one and I'm one, like one spot out from making the team. And it was just like, crap, dude, it came down to my last run. And I, I that's landed like the, That's it. like that classic. It's like the pressure. <sighs> oh one more gosh. run. You have to do good. Yeah. If you do good, you'll get on. If you don't, you won't be on. Yeah. And I, I, it was incredible. Yeah, it was the cherry on top, man. I never would have expected that I could have like made the team. Um, actually, to th- go a different route, um, this was kind of messed up. But um, during that time, um, we, it, we were at the U.S. qualifying event. It was the fifth stop. All the U.S. riders were at that fifth stop. There was actually another quota event going on for the countries um, in Canada. And so... Same same location? No, it was in Canada. Um, I I was in the U.S. I was in Mammoth Lakes okay. in California. So we're doing a an Olympic U.S. Olympic qualifier last stop. So I get I I nail my run. I'm told that I have the fourth spot. I'm going, and then like not even an hour later, I get pulled to the side, and someone's like, "Hey, we forgot about this qu- quota event in Canada. We might not have a fourth spot." And the U.S. team just dropped the ball hard. Oh, they, so, so they could have got... We almost ended up with three spots, oh, not and you, four. And you were the fourth. Yeah. Oh, and man. so they, the U.S. didn't even think about it. They didn't even, we didn't send anybody over there because everyone wanted to compete. Like we were pretty, Everyone was head-to-head in the fifth event for the fourth spot. So we were, it was a big battle. No one went to the event in Canada. So there was that third or the, the fourth spot for the U.S. team was not guaranteed. And so it was like... Two days, like it was like a four day period that I was kind of in limbo, not knowing if I was on the team. And to make things even worse, I got a call one day and someone's like, You made the team, dude, you got the spot. And like maybe like a couple hours later, I got another call and they're like, Hey, I don't know why they thought that, but you don't have the spot. We're still waiting. Oh my God. Yeah, it sucks. That's like in in (laughs) soccer or hockey when you're a team and your advancement depends on another team winning or losing that's yeah. yeah so you have no control over it. i had no control and so i told him stop calling me like i want like i don't want to hear any of it like i've done my job i can't do anything like let me know when it's done um and and, and, and canadians they're good at snowboarding oh well the, all the countries were there like everyone was fighting for quota spots we just thought we were you know we had enough points and didn't have to worry about it but that wasn't true one of our spots was almost taken um and so it was, yeah, four days later, I was in the back of a, a shuttle going from Denver up to Aspen for X Games, and I get the call. It's like 11, 11 p.m. at night, and I remember my coach, he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry to, to tell you this. And I'm like, fuck. Like, ah. And he's like, you got the spot. Oh, I just, I, oh, man. Dude, he got me good. But I was like, I hate that. people are sleeping in this shuttle. Like, it's you know, everyone just got off flights, and they're tired. And I'm like in the back trying to, like, celebrate, like, quietly under my breath. Like, whoa! Like, None of you guys know what just happened, but the best day of my life is right now. <laughs> wow, that, was, that 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 must have been, fuck, that must have been a rough four days. I mean, you're probably uh, thinking about it nonstop, right? The first two days were the worst. After that, I just accepted I wasn't going to make the team. Just that's how life was. It different works. for the Pyeongchang? Was that a different different process? Yeah, there was a different process. Um, we we knew we had enough quota spots. We weren't going to get bumped, and so it was a battle um, between me and one other rider for the fourth spot again. Um, and it actually came down to my last run 
conditions sucked. Um, I almost didn't have speed for the jumps, and for some reason, my last run, I had good speed, made all the jumps, landed my tricks, and I was able to get the fourth spot. So the Pyeongchang, you said you had a little bit of an injury, right? Yeah, so the year before, I was... I honestly was riding the best I've ever ridden. Um, it would have been the, the year 2017, and um, I ended up breaking my foot, um, a bone in my foot. It's called the navicular bone, and it took a really long time to recover. It was about eight months until I was back on snow. Oh, wow, that's a long time when you're doing, uh, yeah, when it you're was, competing on that level. That's like the man, peak level of... Yep, and unfortunately, like by the time I got back on snow, which would have been like in October... Um, I had November, December to get back up to speed for the qualifying events that started in January. And there was three qualifying events in January, and then we're off to the Olympics in February. And I just... The qualifiers are very they're very close to the Olympics, right? Oh, dude, it sucks. There's like soup right before. Yeah, and not it's only winter sports that are like that. And I, actually, only the U.S. that does it that way. A lot of other countries knew the year before who their teams were. You'd think you'd want more times. So you could really pra- like practice. Just... That's that's what we tell them, and their their opinion is that they want the best riders at that moment in time going somebody gets maybe a little bit lazy yeah they want the best rider at that moment going and honestly i guess it's it worked because we won we've got first at both olympics and slope style sage kotzenberg in uh 2014 and then red little redmond and uh you know this last one 2018 yeah so that was so that was fascinating with um sean white this last time too when he did that last and that was the half pipe yeah right where he was like he'd kind of done younger he was so good and then he kind of fell off a, a bit and he yep. came back and everybody was like that was his last that was one of those deals the last run his last right? run the, and he did that crazy fucking trick that nobody was what was it like a he, he put together like a few crazy tricks it just was a an absolutely mental insane run that he put down um and i don't even think that he knew he could put it down so like yeah, just to, I I went and watched that event. I was there at the bottom, and just like yeah, you could see like when he like landed that last run, like his last trick, and like stopped. You could just see his face, like holy crap, did I just do that all? Like did, I, did all that just come together? It was. Do you, do you know him pretty well? Do you like see him a lot? Or I used to. It's he's when he competed in slope style. We used to we used to hang out a little bit more, just on hill, off hill. He just did his own thing he he always like rented his own apartments his own houses he completely separated himself from the he's team. made he's made so much fucking money oh Remember? yeah and there, there was a, a real sports i think a while back did a feature on him and they just looked at like sponsorship like all of his money and like, everything he's been able to do with it because he was like probably the the face for a long time right yeah like, 20 years ago oh yeah not even like just just these last what not like what up until like five years ago, he was still the face. Now there's some young guns that have kind of made made their own face in the sport. But um, no man, he's super motivated and dedicated to where he will shut everyone else out. And as he does, like he he um you know doesn't partake in any of like the snowboard like venue like parties afterwards. Not even parties, but just what are, like what are, yeah. What are those parties like? Depend what t- what type of parties. <laughs> uh, let's um, say okay. Let's say the like the Olympic parties, but then. Also, just well, like the, the parties when you're at events or X Games or so, yeah, they must they must be fucking epic. The, yeah, there's tons of venues or def, like different things going on. Um, the Olympic parties, um, <laughs> each country has their own team house, and like all the team houses are kind of in like a an area, and it's so during the day, fa- like 
those um, the athletes' families can go somewhere to get away from the crowds. They they can have like get food, um, get information, tickets to events to watch their athletes. So there's these country houses. Yeah, I remember like I saw in in uh, Sochi, Putin went into the German tent or the German yeah whatever, and he was because he speaks, speaks German. Okay, and they were all kind of drinking big beer steins, and he was talking to him, and it was it looked like a big fucking fun party. So the food team, and salt, like yeah, bratwurst that, and beer. The houses are where the parties are at, and at night the parties don't stop. Like the Holland House, the German House, the Austria House, like it's it's going down. Like they don't sleep. They, the parties go on until there's no one there. <laughs> what about like when you're out and you know just training or? I mean, I used to be big in skiing, so I used to, like, you know, the um, Teton Gravity research. I used to watch all the ski videos and snowboard videos, and it just seems like there's a there's a culture of, you know, that partying and drinking and having a good time when you're out there. So after the events, there's always some sort of gathering. They don't always call it a party, but it's um, it gets, you know, everyone together, kind of like, you know, friendly, having a good time after competing and, you know, kind of putting our, like, selves, like, in danger, like pushing the limits constantly so it's get us all together to enjoy our time um but it, it seems like as snowboarding has progressed and we're now getting into these like crazy insane like kind of stupid tricks um the the party scene has really died off which i never really partaked in some of the big parties that used to go on at like x games and the u.s open and the do tours um because normally when the parties happen you're already on the road like traveling to the next event uh-huh. so they they put it there so that like the like the spectators and fans and people that pay to go you know there's a party that, so guy, that brings people in to come watch the event that guy i would love to party with is uh bodie miller oh yeah <laughs> yeah ski, ski. You, know, you know andre horton Andre, Horton. he lives here. He's uh, he was on the ski team, U.S. ski team for a long time. He's a skier, downhill skier, but he lives here now and he's pretty involved in you know community. But he's uh, he used to be on the team and he talk, tells some stories. But man, Bodie Miller, that's a guy I want to party with. I hear he parties pretty hard. Well, he, at one point he started he, he started like his own. He broke off the team. Remember that he started his own team. His, he started his own group. Hmm. There was like the U.S. ski team, and he started like the U.S. Ski, whatever. He had like a different name for it, but he was basically mm-hmm. like doing his own thing because he was like rogue and it didn't i don't know how long that lasted but hmm. he was definitely um having a good time <laughs> so what's your plan now you're going to china is that the plan uh, for the 20 i'm 22 you know, right i'm gonna get through this season i'm not 100 percent sure yet um i like to take each year or i guess my snowing career um by each year um if i think too far ahead you get in your head and uh i just don't feel like i ride well so i need to get through this season and i want to you know i'm I was riding really well at the end of last season. Um, I'm about to get on snow here just in two weeks. I'm heading over to Switzerland. Uh, Sauce, oh, nice. Yeah, Sasfe. It's a pretty rad place. It's the town itself. Um, you kind of go down this this valley, and then you take these switchbacks up the side, and, it, and then you're in this like hanging valley adjacent to the valley you're in. Um, and you park your car at the front, and you get picked up in these like electric buggies, and they drive you to your hotel. And within that valley that you're in, it's all electric. There's no gas power, nothing. Um, There's towns in Switzerland that don't even allow cars. Yeah, so you, you, get, you have to have, if you drive a car in there, you get like a ticket. Yeah, so they don't even let you. The road stops, and it's just a giant parking garage, like a, like built into the mountains. So this so is like in the it's, this town's in the valley. It's in the mountains. It's so it's in an upper valley. So I call it a hanging valley. Um, so you you, you drive down one valley, and then. There's some switchbacks that go up the sides. So you're actually driving up a mountain, and then up at a certain point, there's, I guess, perpendicular to the valley you just went up. There's another valley, like thousands of feet up in the air. 
if that makes sense. So you've, 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 been, you've trained there before? I have, yeah. So they're already skiing now in September? It's yeah, already... so th- because it's up on – they. it's interesting. They allow skiing during the summer on the glaciers. You can do that in Alaska, too. People do that in Alaska. Yeah, but they have resorts, so they have, like – Oh, shit. Yeah, like um, chairlifts. Most of them are T-bars, um, and the top of the glacier – What's a T-bar? Um, it's like a, a rope – uh, oh, so you're not sitting down, right? Is no, that... yeah, you put it between your legs. Yeah, and it yeah, pulls okay. you up. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but um, yeah, the the glaciers there that the top of the resorts, um, where this camp is, is only open during like the summer and fall. During the winter, it snows too much. It's just too crazy, hectic weather, and they close it down and they open the lower part of the of the mountain. So how long are you going to Switzerland for? So I'm going to go for two weeks. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm I'm getting pretty. Pumped you're like, you're living you're you're, you're living a fascinating life like so we're all, how many countries have you been to oh man for snowboarding quite a bit um probably all kinds of europe oh, yeah. australia like, new zealand I, I could count them out right now russia but... <laughs> korea north south korea yeah yep um china um new zealand australia um germany um, because not everywhere i go to compete needs to have a mountain because big air um they can build these jumps out of scaffolding units Mm-hmm. And so I get to compete in some really like really neat locations to do big air events. They'll hold them in stadiums. Like I got to compete in like the the Fenways Stadium, um, at, like Boston Red Sox Stadium. And, no uh, shit. Yeah. So I got to compete there. Um, I did a, an event over in Turkey, uh, Istanbul. Wow. Yeah, and and that was in like the, their big college that was there. It was in their soccer field. That was a really cool event. Um, I've done like a big air event down in Italy, um, Modena, Modana. I think it's Modena. Um, Italy, I love, I love yeah. Italy. That's where I'm... pasta was like created, which is really. Did you, cool. did you like hang out in Italy at all? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I, the coffee, the food, the oh. mozzarella. Oh my god, everything in Italy is the food and the coffee is just it's so good. And the women. <laughs> so I was going to ask you. Um, you said you, you were dating somebody for a long time, right? So I did. Yeah, so I was but, dating a girl for almost five years. But but. You know, when you're out there, you're you're good looking. I mean, is there, are there kind of like I don't know, groupie? Are there women? Hey, what's up, man? Like, yeah, come here, like let's hang out. Or there, there's you, a couple groupies that kind of travel around, but I don't know. I, I again, I was dating somebody, um, and there's a lot better guys that they can go after. And then after a while, you're just like, yeah, you've you're you've been around. You're a pretty good looking cat, man. Oh, uh, thank you. I try. <laughs> so, so I mean, but I mean, is, is there probably an element of for the guys that are single or whatever are into women? Like, yeah. there's probably no shortage of opportunities all over the world. Tinder right? makes it too easy. Oh yeah, Tinder. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I just Tinder I recently Olymp- just started getting on my Tinder game because now you know, I've been I deleted, single for a bit. I deleted because t- I I've had several just. I mean, that's a separate podcast, but bad experiences. So <laughs> we might one, have to talk about this one day. Later. I just got off that thing because I was meeting some real crazies, and it was just. But but this thing now, everybody, I'm not, I'm not on there, but the Bumble. Oh, Bumble. That's what everybody's on now. It seems like because that's where the woman has to initiate the yeah. conversation. So I made a Bumble because I heard about the buzz. No pun intended. You just, you just gotta be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta be like Ryan Stasel, like Olympic snowboarder. That's, that's, all, I, that's all so I, put. I don't go that hard with it. I because I don't like like the Tinder account. Sometimes I do depending on what I'm looking for. Uh, one night stand, then yeah, I'm gonna just throw it out there because I'm not looking for anything. But I'm looking to meet someone cool and like you know try to make something happen. Then I I try to I never like to I try to keep the snowboarding aspect out of my life until they get to know me. Um, and that way they're not just like liking me for but, being but it, a snowboarder. I mean, to, like to, it must be hard to date. Like you were dating somebody a long time, but you're gone eight months a year. You said right? No, it's yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> it must be really. It's, I mean, for most people uh, who are gone, you know, slope a few weeks, you know, month yeah. they come. That's hard. Yeah, I know. So the girl that I was seeing, I I definitely made 
an effort to like try to come home like once like once every other month for like a week or so or i'd fly her out to an event and like so we were able we we're able Ooh, to ba- see each ba- other baller yeah well Ooh. hey you gotta you gotta do what you can man otherwise it's just really tough and at the end of it, it was just unfair like i'm on the road constantly i've no like plan of stopping doing what I'm doing. I'm going to continue to live this lifestyle as long as I can, and there's no reason why I should be kind of having her wait for me. How old are you? 26. So in snowboarder age years, what is, are you? I'm definitely of, getting towards the older side. Because a lot of these kids are like eight, 17, 18, uh, right? They're, dude, and they're good. <laughs> they're, they're doing stuff now that, like any sport, you know, like skiing in the 80s, but they're doing stuff now 20 years ago was like unheard of, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's, 10, like 14. It's normally the younger kids that like s- start creating the new tricks. I'm now learning from like younger kids new tricks. And what it is is that like they grew up seeing like what I did. So that was like the pedestal to them. And like when you're at the top of the pedestal, it's hard to like, like you don't, there's nothing else. Like it's hard to like come up with new ideas sometimes. And so you have these young kids that see where the top is, they get there and then they're just young. They're, you know, they can take a fall and get back up. They bounce. They're like made of rubber. And so they're, mm-hmm. they're fearless. They haven't broken bones. Yeah, yet. I have friends with kids that I, they go out ski. I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like that's eight, 10 year old kid just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. That's it. They're fearless, man. It's cause they can take a beating and get up and be fine. Where if I take, you know, I take a big fall. I might be not riding for like a week. I might have to like, Oh, my back on oh, my leg. Like old man, old man, right? My back. It starts beating me up, dude. It's it's not an easy sport, like physically and then mentally. Like knowing that, like what you're about to do could like end your season. Like there's a lot of lot going on, and these young kids just don't have that feeling that like they don't care. It's just like I'm gonna do it because yeah, they don't have the pressure of like the sponsors and the the season and all the other. Yeah, wow. Yep. Life factors. They're just not thinking of. So have you thought about like when this is when this is all over at some point? Have you thought about? Like st- sticking with it in some level, or coming back to Alaska, or just doing it like for fun. Or so I'm always going to reside in Alaska. I know that I want to. I want to expand the fishing business. I, I love fishing. It's it because of fishing. I've been able to be a snowboarder, and just that lifestyle is part of my life. Um, but I also want to stick. I want to do something within the sport. Not sure what it's going to be. Whether it's coaching. Um, I yeah. I I really think that the event side could be done a lot better. Um, there's a lot of older gentlemen or just older people that run the events and it's a very old fashioned way. And I believe with how the trends are going, you know, I, I have good ideas to help host events possibly to be you know, more marketable and we'll more st- profitable for snowboarders. Maybe we'll have the, the stasel open. No, I, I would just partner up with them and try to help, you know, spruce things up a little bit, whether it's FIST or TTR, some mm-hmm. of the organizations here. I like that, man. Well, thank, I mean, thanks for coming in. I'm yeah, glad man. you've been trying to grab you for a while. I know you're coming and going, so I'm glad you were here and able to come in and do the do the podcast. It's been really great. To, I mean, learned a lot. <laughs> well, I, this was a ton of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, and we'll, uh, we'll do we'll do it again. And good if you keep with it, and good luck. I hope you get to China, man. Maybe I'll come check it out. I know, I know Kale went to um, Ch- uh, South Korea. Yeah, he did. That was a ton of fun. So I just didn't ride well, which is the bummer part. But um, hey, maybe for if I end up, you know, keeping with it and going to China. Should come. I'd love to. I've been to Beijing. China once back in 08. So I was in uh, Hong Kong and Guangzhou. So I'd love to come up to, to the Beijing area. Maybe oh. we'll come. Maybe I could be your groupie. Oh, and, there and you not go. Like a, and like a platonic <laughs> groupie way. <laughs> uh, All right, Ryan. Well, thanks for coming in, man. Good luck. Best of luck to you. Thanks. All Take right, care. folks. Uh, if you uh, have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, let me know and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Let's